episode five of He's Gonna Need Therapy. Five. Five. We weren't sure, but we're pretty sure it's five. Yeah. So this is your host, Brandon, and with me, as always, is my co-host, my 12-year-old son, Joey. Joey, how's it going? It's pretty good. Good? Uh, it's Thanksgiving break. Yeah, Thanksgiving break, uh, which is because I feel like you're not doing school normally anyways. No. So why not have another week off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for those that don't know us, uh, we appreciate you tuning in. And for those that do know us, thanks for joining us again. We really do appreciate it. We appreciate the support and we appreciate your feedback. We are a bi-monthly-ish podcast. We try. We try. And the name implies that what he's going to need therapy is that I sit down and watch movies with my son, Joey. And he either picks them or I pick them. And then we talk about them. And some of them may not be appropriate for his age. Not always. No, not always. We've been doing this for about six years now, where I think you were about six when we watched The Ring, uh, yeah. which is, yeah, probably too young. Was it? Yeah, The Ring was my first. Yeah, The Ring. But, yeah, aside from like goosebumps or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we have a long history of watching inappropriate movies. But you're pretty well adjusted. Uh, you're not a serial killer because you have tremendous empathy. So that's good. Yeah. So as a parent, pretty much one so all right let's yeah. go yeah today is uh sunday in november the 22nd i believe uh thanksgiving is this thursday yeah we are still in the midst of covid19 and seems to be getting worse unfortunately yeah unfortunately so uh as always we just encourage everyone to wash your hands don't be gross and stay away from people and we'll make it through this thing and take your vitamins I feel like no one's talking about you hear like lots about social distancing and wearing masks but you don't actually hear like people should eat better and sleep more and take vitamins and just take care of yourself so those are all things that help anyways so what we're going to talk about tonight joe do you want to let people know the three things we're talking about tonight yeah it's a special episode because there's three things mm-hmm. um first we're going to talk about the crow okay uh, then we're going to talk about Lovecraft Country. Yep. And then lastly, we will talk about 2001 A Space Odyssey. Cool. All right. Well, let's jump in. What do you think? Is there anything else you want to talk about? No. No? I'm going to take a bite of my ice cream. Go ahead. Here. Uh, I think it has graham crackers in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just vanilla flavor without sugar. Yeah. In case any of you were wondering. No, vanilla? With some crushed up graham cracker and some peanut butter powder on it. It's good stuff. Okay. And I uh, hope you enjoyed that ice cream break, and I'm sure we'll have another. Probably. All right. So 1994's The Crow. Uh, wow, that was a long time ago, man. Okay, so it's directed by Alex Proyas, and I don't know exactly what else he's done. Uh, I mean, he did some movies back in the 90s, like Dark City. I guess he did Gods of Egypt recently, but... For me, with him, it's always been The Crow. So starring, of course, the late and great Brandon Lee. And you had a bunch of other really cool actors at the time. You had Ernie Hudson, Michael Wincott, uh, Crazy Bai Ling, and just a a bunch of really good people in there. David Patrick Kelly, got to mention him because he's awesome. And Joe, why don't you read us the synopsis from IMDb? A man brutally murdered comes back to life as an undead avenger of his and his fiancée's murder. Okay. That's pretty short. Oh, undead. I didn't understand what you said. I, I thought you said undead. I was oh. like, it's an undead Avenger. 
Uh, I think that's a pretty good synopsis, though. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Well, and again, for people that don't uh, really know our show, what we're going to do now is we're going to do a fairly scattered brain disjointed walkthrough of the plot. Because it's kind of recent. Uh, no. I mean, 1994. That was a long time ago. Uh. Yeah, that was a very long time ago. It was like okay. four, 14 years before you were born. Um, yeah. But no, we just, uh, our uh, our walkthroughs are uh, kind of all over the place and uh, fairly entertaining. But if you have not seen this movie, you should probably just see it anyways uh, because we will spoil it. So here we go. All right, so it starts off kind of at the beginning. It's Devil's Night in, uh, in Detroit. And so camera's kind of flying around you see a whole bunch of stuff on fire and dark then, yeah very dark and then it goes to a cop and he, it's like a crime scene and you see some dead people and uh so this couple and so that's eric draven and shelly webster so that's the couple and the eric draven played by brandon lee they're uh, getting carted off to the hospital um because shelly has survived but eric is dead and then as they're getting wheeled away you see this young girl who's friends with them and she just wants to know what's going on and you know what's happening fast forward a year it's been a year since they died one year one year you're holding up your finger i didn't know what you wanted there man that you're raising your hand you don't have to raise your hand do you have to like raise your hand in school from a computer like what do you how do they call on you just call you by name do you have to like virtually raise a hand what do you do you have to volunteer you have to volunteer mm-hmm. okay well, now that we got that covered, we'll continue. Again, fast forward a year, and you see this crow, and it's pecking on top of a grave. And then uh, Eric climbs out of the grave and jump to another part of the city, and you see a group of street punks, and they're inside of a business, and the leader's name is T-Bird, and that's David Patrick Kelly, who is an awesome actor that uh, has been in many horror and genre films. So they're smashing up this building, and then they blow up the building. And then, yeah, so they're just kind of burning things up and then jumps back to the other part of town and you see Eric uh, kind of wandering around. He finds some like clothes in a dumpster and he goes to his old apartment and he kind of has all these flashbacks about what happened. And so you're like, whoa, this dude came back from the dead. It's crazy. Yeah, crazy. So he, uh, yeah, he realizes that he's dead and he needs to take his revenge on these bad guys. And that happens to be T-Bird and his homies. So... There's this crow that was pecking on his grave, and he kind of follows the crow. And superpower then he, crow. Yeah, superpower. And then he uh, he goes around, and he just starts finding all the guys, and he starts killing them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. I'm trying to remember who the first guy he kills is. It was... Is it Tintin? Yeah, I guess it was Tintin, the guy with the knives. Yeah. Was that Tintin? Let's see. It was the guy with the knives. Yeah. 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 That was Tintin. Uh, Lawrence Mason, who's a pretty cool actor as well. Okay. So he finds him in an alleyway and they fight and uh, he's throwing some knives at him and he hits him with a pipe. But then Eric gets the knife and he fills him up with knives. So, uh, yeah, he kills him. And then he goes to a pawn shop. Whoa. Well, was a little beep, and with the, I think that beep signals it's time for an ice cream break. Ice cream break. Mm-hmm. Ice cream break. Time for Brandon's oh, yeah. ice cream break. Ice cream break over. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess not yet. Okay. 
So he goes to his pawn shop and he has the ring. He finds the ring that was his uh, fiance's engagement ring. And then he gets some information out of the pawn shop ring guy. And then he blows up his pawn shop. And then, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of this just kind of goes back and forth of uh, Eric going and getting his revenge. The cops are involved a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep, Ernie Hudson plays the the police officer who was on scene when they were killed. And he's still, like, in the neighborhood, and he's friends with Sarah, the little girl. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go through every bit of the plot here. Cause, I, think, uh, I think that's a pretty good explanation. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, he just goes on and he gets revenge, right? Yep. Yeah, and there's uh, lots of good music in the movie. It's yeah. filmed really cool. And, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to go through this whole thing right now. What do you think? I think it's good. Okay. Well, there's our completely incomplete synopsis and walkthrough of The Crow. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, everything goes good in it. Uh, the obvious tragic thing that happened with this movie is Brandon Lee was killed during the filming. So that's, uh, that's very sad. And, uh, cause he, uh, I honestly think he would have been the biggest action star in the world if he would have lived because he'd, you know, with this, he did Showdown in Little Tokyo and, uh, Rapid Fire, which are all awesome movies. And then he died and it's unfortunate because he was a super talented guy. So with that, Joe, let's hear your thoughts on The Crow. I like the movie because it was very dystopian, and that's one of my favorite things in books and movies. Um, I also liked how the they used a crow to like deliver the undeadness to him. Undeadness. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's like crows are like a symbol for death, and it's kind of like the opposite because the crow is bringing life. Mm-hmm. But then it ends up taking life because of right. he's killing everybody. Yep. So I think that's cool. That was cool. Well, I thought it was a good movie overall. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's one that I recommended. It's one of my favorite movies from back then. It does have the obvious, you know, 90s problems with kind of bad shaky cam footage and weird color palette and things like that. But I still think it holds up really well. And, uh, yeah, it's a good movie. I rate it uh, ice cream out of 10. So that's like an 11. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a pretty confident rating. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, if people haven't seen The Crow, I, of course, recommend The Crow. Yeah. So with that, we will take a two-minute break, and then we'll be back to talk about Lovecraft Country. Two minutes. Two minutes. Welcome to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast where the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the films, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark discussions.
And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers were smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right, exactly. So, www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. All right, welcome back. Welcome Th- back. Yeah, welcome back. Thanks for hanging with us in our two-minute or whatever break. Yeah. Uh, what really happened behind the scenes is I ate my ice cream. I, I sang a little bit, mm-hmm. but you won't get to hear that. Nope. No, nope, we're going to cut that out. And then uh, we talked about uh, The Crow a little bit more, just talking about the shooting of Brandon Lee. Just sad. Yeah, and I didn't know the guy who accidentally shot him uh, is dead now as well. Died from stomach cancer. So it's too bad. Okay, so now we're just going to do a quick little discussion, nothing major, on the HBO series Lovecraft Country. And we're not going to spoil anything. We're actually not going to talk about too much on this because it's super new. Uh, But for those that aren't aware of this... And and super good. Yeah, it's super good. So our IMDb just says, A young African-American travels across the United States in the 1950s in search of his missing father. So that's kind of how it starts. Yeah. Obviously a lot more happens than that. But the show revolves around a young man named Atticus, who yeah. goes by Tick, and he's just coming back from the Korean War. And uh, he comes back home to try and locate his father, because his father's gone missing. And gets home, and then he connects with his uncle, and then uh, one of his friends from growing up, and they go on a cross-country venture to try and locate his father. Yeah. Uh... What, so, again, we're not going to spoil anything. We're not going to go into any details here. Now that we've finished the series, what do you think about Lovecraft Country? It was really good. Like, I think every episode just kept on getting better and better. There were some creepy parts, too. Like what? Well, I don't want to say it. Oh, okay. Because then it'll give away too much. Oh, that's true. Okay, you're very considerate. Thank you. Yeah, not a serial killer. Good job. Uh... But I liked it, and I think you guys should definitely watch it. Okay. I would agree. I think all really, really good performances. I think the main character, the guy who plays Tick, his name is Jonathan Majors. I've never seen him in anything before, and I don't know if this is really his first big thing. Looking at IMDb, he's been in a couple things, but I think he's really good. He kind of has like that Denzel Washington quality to him, like just of being incredibly strong. Um, you have Journey Smoulier. I don't know how she actually pronounces her last name. And I just pronounce it like that because that's how Dave Chappelle pronounces their last name. So that's what I'm going with. Um, but, man, it, it's a really cool show. has this great kind of Jordan Peele vibe. And you know what's kind of yeah. cool is that Jordan Peele's only made two movies. And he already has a signature. Like when you see something, you're like, oh, this feels like Jordan Peele. And this definitely feels like Jordan Peele. And it's also produced by his production company. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so we're just going to recommend checking that out on HBO. The first season just wrapped up. And I don't remember if there's going to be more seasons or if that's it. I'm not sure. I think it was left off on a 
bit of a cliffhanger. So I think there has to be more seasons. Yeah, I don't know. At least one. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. But uh, I'd love to see more of it. Because yeah. I think it does this great job of kind of blending 1950s social commentary with... Uh, Very sci-fi yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, sci-fi and uh, lots of Lovecraftian elements, obviously, with the name. Yeah. There's a book called Lovecraft Country, which I don't know anything about. There's a book? There is. I should read it. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should read, man. It's good for your brain. I do read. I know. Sometimes. I read my dad. Oh, yeah. Are you reading anything now? The Hobbit. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. I like The Hobbit. Okay. So that is our just quick mention of Lovecraft Country. I'm definitely giving it two big thumbs up. I give it elephant out of ten. Okay, so that's like... And I really, li- I really like elephants. Yeah, it's like, so. a, it's like a 12? 13 mm-hmm. maybe? Around there. Better than ice cream? Do you like elephants more than ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> okay, and with that, we'll take another just quick break, and we'll be back with 2001 A Space Odyssey. You read me, Hal? Hello, Hal, do you read me? Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. All right, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Through the magic of time travel. Yeah, because this is like a week later. Uh, two weeks later. Uh, so, but for you, it's like two minutes. So maybe less than that. Yeah, I mean, if you skipped ahead. So really, uh, you time traveled with us. And so, what we're going to be talking about now for our third and final film of the review is 2001: A Space Odyssey. What do you think about that, Joe? It's a pretty good idea. Okay, let's do it. Do you want to read the synopsis, or should I read the synopsis since I have it right in front of me? Uh, me. Okay. Maybe you should do it, because... <laughs> okay. So, for those that don't know, I had shoulder surgery six weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, I am in a sling, and I have very little use of one of my arms, because it's not just shoulder, but it was my bicep. And so, I looked at the computer that's sitting in front of me, and realized the amount of effort that it would take for me to move it from myself to Joe. So did I. Yeah, uh, that's a bad idea, so I'm going to read it. Okay. After discovering a mysterious artifact buried beneath the lunar surface, mankind sets off on a quest to find its origins with the help from intelligent supercomputer HAL 9000. So 2001 A Space Odyssey, 1968, rated G. G, really? Yeah, G. Hmm. Uh, Directed by Stanley Kubrick, so... And then, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of big cast, but, I mean, obviously Stanley Kubrick, the big part of this, as the director, the writer, and also written by Arthur C. Clarke. And so I told you a little about Arthur C. Clarke, and he is super cool. Yeah. 
and the where satellites reside is called the Clark Belt, it, where all the satellites are in a geosynchronous orbit. Yeah. So, all right. So, as per usual, let's do a quick walk through the plot, uh, which could be interesting with this movie. So we'll kind of keep it simple. Yeah. Because uh, uh, if you yeah. haven't seen this, it's a long and confusing ride. It is. Uh, okay. So at the beginning, it starts off. We see uh, like this tribe of kind of hominids, like they're kind of part monkey, part man, and they're kind of going crazy. Uh, and there's like a watering hole, and there's some other monkey people. I'm gonna call them monkey people. They don't like the other monkey people. No, so they like yeah, they get like they're like I don't like you guys, so we're out of here. But then all of a sudden they find this monolith thing, and hey, it's interesting. We're talking about monoliths now because what's happened over the last two weeks? There's three. There's one, and it's appeared in three different places. Yeah, or it's three in three different places. Maybe. 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 But yeah, so that's happened. So, um, so they the crazy monkey people they find the big monolith thing, and through that they learn how to use tools. They touch it, and then yeah. Yep. So they they get some bones, and then they go, they go jack up the other monkey people tribe. Yeah. So. Uh, Fast forward a couple million years later, probably, and then uh, you uh, meet Dr. Floyd, and uh, so he is en route to a lunar outpost, and so they stop over, and there's a whole bunch of meetings and people talking, and they go, and they're trying to in- investigate because they believe they found something buried on the surface of the moon, uh, and so they hop on the old moon bus, and they head over, and they discover one of those monoliths. And they, as they start getting close to it, there's this crazy sound in their in their heads. And then it fast forwards another twenty years, I think. Uh, it's like eighteen months. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's pretty close. Yeah. Close uh, enough. Yeah. So uh, you see that there's a spaceship and it is bound for Jupiter, and on board uh, there's uh, the main people are uh, two doctors. So it's Doctor Bowman and Doctor Poole. And there's other people that are currently in like a... They're like frozen. Well, not for They're like asleep for the journey. Yeah. And because they're going to Jupiter, and that takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah. On a, on a spaceship, especially in like, what, 1968 or something like that. Because I think it'd take a long time now. They got there pretty quick. Yeah. Considering. I, I mean, we don't know how long they've been on this thing, do we? No. Maybe they've been on for 18 months or 17 months. I don't know. Maybe. So they're on route to there. And uh, you learn that... In addition to the two doctors and the other frozen crewmen, there's Hal. A, uh, yeah, there's Hal. So it's a computer, and so uh, he's a this like supercomputer, and he runs most of the operations of the ship. And uh, like I said, he's a supercomputer, so it's like he doesn't make mistakes, he doesn't do anything wrong. Um, so they think. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're just kind of cruising around, and then they're like, "Oh no, something's broken on the ship, so I got to go out in space." Uh oh. Yeah, and uh, this is, you know, one of the, I think, one of the more famous parts of the movie, just uh, with the spacewalk and all that stuff. Um, so they go out there and, um, you know, but they don't find anything wrong. No. And so that makes them kind of question that, you know, Hal says, hey, well, we should put it back in so we can see if it fails. And at that time, they uh, figure out, like, well, wait, what's going on? Like, Hal's not supposed to make mistakes. And they have a communication back with Houston and uh, Mission Control. I don't know if it was Houston. I feel like just saying Houston for Mission Control is just kind of the thing to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 
they uh they're like well how does that problem so how's like well it must be human error so they're kind of like oh man yeah yeah that's weird so they they sneak into a little one of the the pods and they try to talk about Hal behind his back. Yeah, because they can't hear Hal can't hear him inside there. But what can Hal do? Read their lips. Yeah, he can read lips. So that's pretty creepy. Yeah. So they're basically like, all right, well, we need to figure out how to disconnect Hal. Um, and, but Hal knows about this. So um, as uh, one of the doctors goes out in the pod, he lo- Hal lo- he locks him out. Is that is that right? He kind of uses the pod. To like fling him out of space. Oh right, right. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah. And the uh, the other thing that comes later when he's like gets locked out and then yeah. he has to use the little pod to get back inside. Mm-hmm. So he does that and then um yeah he like um so not only does Hal do that he, where he shoots the other one back into space he also turns off the life support of the other crewmen. Yeah. So really it's just one doctor and Hal. So I, I think it's Doctor Bowman, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so after that, that's when he goes back outside to try and do something, and then that's he has to get back in the ship because Hal locks him out, and he uses this little arm on the pod to kind of open up the door and get back inside. Yeah. Oh, you also, like, he goes out in the pod to save his friend. Right. Uh, but he has to end up letting him go Yeah. out into space yeah. in order to get back inside. Yep. Yeah, so once he gets back inside the ship, then he's like, all right, I got to go disconnect Hal. And this is where the movie starts getting weird. This, yeah, very um, weird. Yeah, so he goes in and he's like, right, I'm going to disconnect you. So he starts disconnecting Hal and Hal's kind of pleading with him, which is, I think, a pretty unnerving scene. Yeah. Like definitely. as he's slowly shutting this computer down and, you know, he's like pleading with him to not do it. And it's, yeah, I think it's pretty unnerving. So then the disconnection happens and then... It's just Dr. Bowman. Yeah, it's just Dr. Bowman and then... He's, when he's getting close to Jupiter, then we kind of see the monolith thing. Yeah, and another that, one. And then it's just a whole bunch of weird colors for like the next 15 minutes. Yeah. Weird colors and sounds. And then he wakes up in a room. Mm-hmm. Like an old-timey room. Yeah. And like there's current him, and then like a kind of older him, and then a really old him. Mm-hmm. And then he turns into a baby. <laughs> Yep. And there's the monolith, too. Yeah, that's in the room as well. And the pod. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. So, then he turns into a baby. It's But it's like a super space baby, kind of like floating in the light. Yeah. It, like, unborn space baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With colors and lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. We just covered about three hours of movie in that short little time. And uh, I will kick it over to you, my boy, and uh, tell me your general thoughts about 2001 A Space Odyssey. I thought it was a really, really good movie. Uh, Confusing at parts, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think it requires a lot of thought, like after the fact, just to process what went on. Mm -hmm. And I have some ideas of my own, but I really liked the movie. Cool. Okay, I would agree with that. I like I think you know I saw it when I was a kid but I didn't remember anything about it like I just remembered the kind of pivotal scenes that you see in little clips yeah like you know sorry Dave yeah you know with the with Dr. Poole's face you know and yeah Hal talking and stuff like that um I was just blown away with how well it's filmed and the quality of the filming that this was made in 1968 it looks better than some films after yeah time the quality is just stunning 
And so I don't know, you know, what he shot it on, but it was pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, and I also like, again, that Arthur C. Clarke was involved with this. Uh, and just because since I worked in the satellite business for 15 years almost, like I've always thought that stuff is cool. And uh, so just knowing a guy who like had some legitimate chops when it comes to outer space. And I know people have said like this is one of the most accurate portrayals of space that they've seen. Um, because it, it, it follows like the right rules of things that are supposed to happen in space. Uh, but man, it's a cool movie. Very cool. I don't think I know what it means. I think there's a lot of allegory and uh, for a lot of other things. But I will turn that over to you and let's hear some of your theories about some of these things. Me? Yeah, you said that you had some ideas. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. Like, these monoliths are obviously alien, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that, like, they were sent by another intelligence, but it's like that intelligence has ascended. They're not on a physical level, but mm-hmm. like a spiritual level. And, like, they kind of oversee the entire universe. Mm-hmm. And, like, they sent them to, like, change the course of human history and like just kind of test us. So it's like triggering evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz like, you know, with the crazy monkey people at the beginning, it's like they're really basic cuz and then they touch this thing and then all of a sudden they understand how to use tools. Yeah. And then yeah, and then fast forward, you know, a couple million years and they encounter this thing and then all There's of a sudden another one. Yeah. And then like that gives them the idea to go to Jupiter. Yeah. And then another one since Yeah him to the room which we still can't go to jupiter no. now so no. yeah i mean think about yeah like kicking up the evolution i mean given they did have moon buses too I and mean, we don't have a moon bus not yet or maybe we do think about all the crap that we know about that the government and private industry does think about all the stuff that we don't know about it's probably a lot yeah if they make all these crazy really cool things public think about the stuff that's private yeah moon bus yeah so what else? Any other any other theories? And just mainly uh, about the monoliths. Mainly about those. I think like Hal had something to do with it too. Hmm. I feel like after they touched the monolith on the moon or interacted with it, that gave them the idea of Jupiter and Hal. Like at the same time. Hmm. Um so like Hal is also their creation, the aliens. Hmm. Uh that's pretty much it. Well, because, yeah, I mean, that kind of empowers them to make the trip out there. Yeah. Because without that technology, they couldn't really do it. And also, like, how he sabotaged his own crew. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe that was just saying how Dr. Bowman would react. Well, and I think that's part of mankind, too, right, is that we do sabotage ourselves, and I think we have this growing reliance on technology. I'm sure even back in 1968, where people were really noticing this reliance on technology and... I think kind of the danger of that, I don't know if that's part of the message, that's kind of my interpretation of it, is I do think there is real danger uh, when we lose connection with people and we replace it with things. Yeah. And because Hal's scary. He is. I think it's a scary character. And again, the part where he's pleading for his own life and he's a robot, I think it's terrifying. Um, but you know me that I'm also a little more on the paranoid, paranoid side when it comes to tech. Yeah. Like things like our artificial artificial intelligence like scare the crap out of me. 
So, uh, yeah. So those are my kind of thoughts on it. Would you ever watch this movie again? Definitely. Really? Yeah. Okay. I would. Okay. I don't know if this was a one-timer, because it's like a big, long, confusing movie. It's very long, but I think, like, if I watched it a second time, I'd, like, notice more stuff. Sure. And see more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Uh, I was looking up uh, the type of camera, and it's they use something called the Panavision 70 millimeter camera, and apparently it's Whoa. incredibly rare, and it's only been used in a handful of films. Really? Yeah. How did he get his hands on that? Well, I mean, Stanley Kubrick. He's like one of the greatest directors of all time, so yeah, that makes sense. Well, I don't know. This is all listing like modern movies on here, so maybe that's not correct. Oh wait, never mind. 19. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's only listing really old things or new things on this site, so I don't know if this is actually accurate or not, but that's what the Wikipedia said. And as you know, Wikipedia is always accurate. Always. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. Are you going to donate to Wikipedia? No, probably not. No. Okay, yeah, so Super Panavision 70. So other movies filmed with that, Uh, Exodus, West Side Story, Lawrence of Arabia, 2001, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Tron... Uh, Tron? Yeah. The original? Mm-hmm. The Abyss, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We should watch that one. Uh, let's see. Apollo 11. Uh, some parts of Jurassic World, apparently. Really? Some part of The Dark Knight Rises. And a couple of other random movies. Inception, um, Shutter Island. I can see like the big kind of sweeping, like how cinematic some of those movies look. And I think that makes sense. So It's cool. But yeah, yeah qual- looked amazing. Yeah, quality-wise. And that is pretty amazing that they had that technology that long ago. Yeah. To That they could film something like that. And you think about the advances they made in the 60s are crazy. Like, that's when we went to the moon. How come we haven't been back to the moon? Do you ever think about that? I do. All the time. Because scientists will always study everything to death. Why haven't they been back to the moon? I think they are going to the moon. They just don't tell us about it. Maybe. Because, again, why haven't we been back? Hasn't technology advanced in the last 50 years? Or 40 years or however long? That was 50 years ago. Yeah. So more? Yeah. So you figure we have way better tech now. So I think they're doing it. I think they're taking moon buses. I think there's, I don't know, maybe some kind of colony up there we don't know about. Maybe there is a monolith. Maybe. Maybe there's a casino. Space casino. Yeah, space casino. Um, I don't know. We don't know. So, okay. Well, 2001 A Space Odyssey, I, we hope you enjoyed that review. Uh, I, obviously, this is a big, this is a recommend from both of us. I think let's start yeah. doing that. Let's start saying if we recommend the movie. On a scale of pasta to Christmas, Okay. I rank it bread. Okay. And I like bread yeah. a lot. So. Okay. Hey, that's pretty good. I mean, you know, the last time you recommended bread was, I don't know, some... Like garlic bread. No, oh, that's pretty serious. Yeah. Well, you just saying that because I can't have garlic. You just rubbing it in. <laughs> Real cool, man. Real cool. Okay, and with that, we are done. All done. Yeah, it only took us uh, three weeks. Minutes? Well, this for this part, but yeah, three weeks to record the second part. Two or three weeks. Yeah. But that's okay because we're doing it at our own pace. Um, so the date now. Let's see. I don't remember when we first started this, but today's date is December sixth. So, we do plan on recording another episode maybe next week, and we don't know if we'll get that out before Christmas. Um, Hopefully, we do. But our next episode is 
Jojo? Uh, we're doing a series. We're doing The Shining and Doctor Sleep. Cool. And we've already watched both of them. Yes. So we just need to record. Yep. So we'll hopefully do that next weekend. And I'll try and I'll get this one out hopefully this week and then try and get that one out quick so we can get two episodes out before Christmas. Dose. Um, and then maybe we'll do uh, some kind of 2020 review. The year? Yeah. We'll review the year. Well, we'll just say some of our favorite movies we watched this year. And they don't huh. have to be 2020 movies. They can just be anything that we watch. Watch this yeah. year. Good idea. So maybe we'll do that after the new year. So, and with that, um, we're done. The dishes are done. It's, uh, yeah. In case we don't get back to you before Christmas, I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. Happy Hanukkah, too. Yeah, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. What else is in there? Boxing Day. Uh, maybe. For the people that don't celebrate anything, we hope you have a good, uh, I don't know, Tuesday or whatever day Christmas is. Christmas break. Yeah, have a good Christmas break, unless you don't believe in breaks, so then, let's see. Just have a good Tuesday. Okay, Christmas is a Friday, so... Uh, Whoa. Yeah. If if you don't celebrate anything, happy Friday. Fridays are good anyway. Yeah. So. Most people like Fridays. Unless that's like your Monday. Then that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Then that's just not a good day yeah. for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, we're going to get out of here. We'll talk to you guys later. Yeah. Joe, anything you want to say before we leave? He's staring at the Christmas tree. Drink some water. Yeah, drink some water. Before. Keep, keep hydrated. Yeah, keep hydrated. Uh, keep washing your hands. Yeah. Because people are still gross. Uh, take care of yourself and each other. I think that's what Jerry Springer used to say at the end of a show. But you don't know what Jerry Springer is, so. Huh? Yeah, let's leave it that way. You need to never know what Jerry Springer is. That's a dark time in human history. Dark ages. Yeah, the dark ages. The 1990s. <laughs> All right, see you guys later. Bye. Bye.